What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Nerdwide Podcast, episode 100. 100 episodes, Chris. Of course, that does not include our one-off episodes where we review things, our books, our big-time movies, things like that. But this is 100 regular episodes of the Nerdwide Podcast, which we started two years ago. A little over two years, actually, now. I think we started in... Was it the beginning of the year, summer? Or I don't remember when it was. It was the end of 19. Like, it, oh. and Here we are. 20, yeah. 23, January. Almost done with January, which is mind-blowing to me because this month has lasted forever. But Chris, to celebrate before we get into our other stuff, ladies and gentlemen, we are the Nerdwide Podcast. And speaking of starting in 2019, I wanted to go back to our very first episode and show you all and let you all listen to how bad the audio was and the screens and everything. I've got four different uh, episodes that we're going to just play a couple of short clips for everybody. And I'm really excited for you all to see this. So, Chris, I am sharing my screen. Let's see. Now. That doesn't seem right. Nope, that's the wrong screen. So here's what we're going to do. In classic fashion. But you share it, Tyler. <laughs> All right, here we go. Now I'm sharing the right screen to you. Abort, abort. <laughs> All right. Let me scoot over here. So this is the very first episode of the Nerdwide podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the new and improved Nerdwide podcast, the official podcast of Nerdwide.com. I am your host, the one and only Tyler Haynes, a.k.a. Assassin RN, <laughs> with my favorite co-host, the man himself, the myth, the legend, hadn't heard from him in a couple years, says Pinecast, Chris the Man. Rose. I don't remember that joke. I've been asleep the whole time. <laughs> just hibernating I, the whole time? Yeah, just the whole time. So Chris, for those of you, those are the ones. You I love how there's there's no image of me or anything. <laughs> no. Which leads into the next video. It's just a voice from nowhere. <laughs> this is so that was episode one. This is episode four. So it took us four episodes to get you on screen. All right. And here this is. Podcastnerdone.com. I'm your host Tyler Haynes, and for the first time live on camera. To my right and shoulder, you can see on the video how none of our voices sync up for some reason. <laughs> What's up, man? Oh, not much. What's going on with you? Oh, uh, I think I think I remember us having that problem. Yeah. And I didn't notice when we were doing this call earlier, but I see it now. There's a PlayStation logo on your hat. There is. We're not wearing the wearing the same hat still. <laughs> Consistent, you know. <laughs> yeah. And have my PS. Four going in the background. Yep, you can see it right there, with the light on and everything. And then, so that was this one, and this is our first time going to our format and how we have now, as far as our that, camera. It is me, Tyler. Audio Hayes, was course, much better. To my immediate right here, Mister Acaris Rivers. How's it going, Tyler? It is going absolutely well, man. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about, and of course, I'm sure a lot of people right now are seeing. Wait, the format is a little different. We actually are. I love how it's your right, but you. It, yeah, I still turn off uh, your left. You know, it's just, it's just how things work. Now, Chris, how are you? 
I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. You know, it's we've got a lot to talk about, and I know I've said that a lot. You so got far, cyberpunk on your screen in the background back there. You see that? Yep. <laughs> and then this one, I'm sure you'll remember this one. This is our Wonder Woman 1984 review. I have been scarred by this. <laughs> oh Lord! Let's do this. Hey Chris, you ready to uh, ready to do a Wonder Woman review? What? <laughs> we, sh- we, sh- we should say too that. Oh, uh, that's great. Uh, cue the intro. Patty Jenkins loved your outfit, yeah. by the way. She's still. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'll ever get uh, recognition like that ever again. To be honest. But, you know, the day is still. To be fair. To be fair, I think you did pull it off rather well. Yeah, you know, I tried. Uh, Aquaman was my better one. Did dress up for the podcast for that one. But that was just a couple of fun little clips and things. I want to go in and do more. Uh, I'm a very good video uh, editor. And I need to start keeping better tabs on things as far as when we have like a big moment that we're proud of throughout the, these episodes. So I could keep a log and I could go back and eventually get on like Fiverr or one of these websites and send the videos to people. Say, hey, these are the highlights I want to clip out. Can you make a good video out of them? And do that. But fortunately didn't happen this time. But it's okay because we're still here for 100 episodes. And, you know, here's to 100 more. I'm going to drink my, cheers my water here. My Edgar Allan Poe water cup here. If you start sending clips to people for them to uh, to edit them, make sure you don't send them to the guy that does people's photos online. I, I can't remember. Oh, who oh, is. James. Um, oh, uh, oh, yeah, because he says, uh, "Can you edit my sister out or something like that?" And it, he edits or makes her smaller. He, he does some funny things on there. Yeah, I love every time he pops up in my newsfeed. I absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> All right, All right, Chris. Let's get into some quick housekeeping for those who this is the first episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I hate housekeeping. Uh, don't we all listen? Don't we all? I mean, I've got stuff all over my office right now. Just like this needs to go. Uh, anyways, quick housekeeping for the show. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to either our podcast or YouTube on whatever podcasting service you use. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a thumbs up on YouTube or give us a good rating on whatever podcasting app you use. Five is usually the best one, so five is great. If you don't enjoy what you see or hear, make sure you leave us a comment. Let us know how we can improve the show. If you don't, let us know what is wrong or how we can improve. We can't fix it. So let us know what to fix what you th- or suggestions. If you want to go that extra mile, you could always go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. Three different tiers for three different monetary values at $3 is the highest. You can suggest you know books, movies, TV shows, uh, comic books, anything really uh, entertainment under the sun that you want us to review or talk about. That's the way to do it. But Chris, have you been watching anything on TV? How in, how has your week been on top of that? You've been fighting allergies all week. So I've mm. been coughing and sneezing and everything else. People looking at me like, have you got it? Have you got it? <laughs> no, no. I don't have it. No. <laughs> I don't have it. But, nope. you know, Not somebody I worked with, somebody I work with did get it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've avoided it, though. Still, no. I um, had it that that one Christmas two years ago. That was it. 
had it for yeah. you know a week or so, but nothing. It's just sinusy issues, and that's just unfortunately it's part of living in Tennessee when we go through three or four false springs and everything just wants to mess with you. Yeah, yeah, but you, you never get used to it, so it keeps no. things exciting. <laughs> yeah, keeps you on um, your toes. <laughs> but no, I uh, I did. I haven't watched a ton of TV. But what I did watch, I got uh, a couple more episodes watched of the Quantum Leap reboot. Do you think I would enjoy that? Yes. Okay. I need to add that yes. to my list. Uh, they've already picked it up for a season two. Oh, wow. So it's it's here to stay for a while then. Yeah, I don't think... I think it'd be a good time investment. You okay. know, like... That's what got me gunshot on broadcast TV for a while was... I would start watching a new show, and then all of a sudden, they cancel it, mm -hmm. like episode ten or eleven or something. And there was one really bad one. Uh, I mean, it was a good show, but a, a bad cancellation. A show back in the day called Reunion. Oh, that sounds familiar. And it had Amanda Rigetti, Kyler Lee, Will Estes was in there. Like, it had a really good really good young cast of up-and-coming actors, right? And it was all about one of the friends was murdered at their high school reunion. Mm, I do remember this. And, and it was following, you kept getting flashbacks, and they hadn't revealed who died yet, and then I think they did tell us who died, but we didn't know who killed them, and they canceled the show. Oh, See, God. that sounds about right. Why? And it was Fox, so of course, you know, they... Oh, that reminds... They had... Yeah, they, they've got a track history of that. I mean, that reminds me of one of our shows that we loved uh, that just ended. A little show called The Gifted. Mm -hmm. And uh, Goth luckily, Gotham went on as long as it did and was able to end. But I feel like The Gifted and Gotham were like the last good Fox shows that I've watched. If, yeah. I don't even know if they've made any more that like, even remotely interest me on there. But, well, no, The Masked Singer I watched for a little bit until it got too, too bad. I was like, I, I just can't do this one. Uh, so The Bachelor came on this week. We, uh, I've got a fantasy draft going on there. So, Chris, if you want to join in, we, we do have fantasy draft for The Bachelor. That is weekly. Uh, then watch the Royal Rumble this week as well. <laughs> and that was okay. I mean, I'm not the biggest wrestling fan, but I like to watch all these big events just because it's, uh, it's entertaining, and the whole family likes to watch it. But it was it was okay, nothing crazy. What network are they are they through now? What Peacock. Peacock. Yeah, it's like so you don't I've have to pay that. for anything. Yeah, you can watch all these then for free. I don't know if I want to. It's it's okay. I mean, there were some some good things and things I tried, and <clears throat> but you know, it's The Rock was rumored to be on to come in there this time, but now he's rumored for like WrestleMania, so. We will see if he makes a return because the, the big guy, Roman Reigns, is mocking the Rock, saying, you know, he's not fit enough to wrestle anymore and he won't be fit enough to do X, Y, and Z. So it's like, you know, you keep throwing his name around in interviews and stuff like that. So it's kind of like hyping him up for a potential return. And, but, you know, the Rock is a big movie star now. He's also black. Well, okay, he was Black Adam. So, <laughs> so, oh, I wish I want to find this. There was a congressman. I wonder if I still have this pulled up before I have to refresh. Um, in California, that. Oh, 
I believe I had to have kept this. I need to, I should have screenshotted this. Um, he's talking about James Gunn. Blah 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 blah. blah. Getting Oh, here it is. A good comment or a bad yes, comment? Yes, that was a good one. From Robert Garcia, okay. Congressman and 28th Mayor of Long Beach City. So he's in California. He said, if James Gunn doesn't present the new DCU plan by February 1st, I'm calling him in for congressional hearing or I will ask the tough questions everyone is wanting to know. <laughs> I was like, okay, I like this guy. Because <laughs> we still hadn't heard, heard anything. That I can guess what party he's into. Yeah. That'd be an easy one. All right. Chris, I want to get to our shows here. We've got National okay. Treasure, Episode 8, and Last of Us, Episodes 2. But Last of Us comes with a nice little fun uh, announcement at the end of it we'll talk about. Because, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. We've got a... It's, our TV section is filled with uh, some good highs, but some low lows, and some lows we, we knew were coming. But... yeah. But luckily, there's some good news with those lows. But we will get there. I don't want to, don't want to talk about it too soon because we are going to thelaughingplace.com by Bill Galsell once again for our spoiler-filled National Treasure: Edge of History episode eight, titled "Prison Break Spoiler Review and Recap." Uh, or Tasha and Ethan are all debating the plan on how to break into the prison to save Raphael. Or Orin is the most sensible as he tries to talk everyone out of the plan. While well, Ethan and Tasha volunteer to join Jess and Orin wants to go home. Back in Baton Rouge, Liam uh, learns through Miles that Billy's been tracking him through his phone's SIM card and that she has been watching Peter Sadusky for over a decade. Listen, this lady is a like class A stalker. But yeah, she, she wants this uh, treasure and she's going to do it by any means necessary. While Liam is trying to find Jess in Mexico, the group is developing a plan to break into the prison. Orin is planning to leave before he goes. He offers a hint to the group on how to break into it. Back in his cell, Raphael is taking a moment to pray to his dead wife. Hoping for forgiveness, Raphael sells a door with drawings to his, of his wife and Jess, as well as many other items related to the treasure hunt. Thinking about all the promises that he broke to his wife, Raphael assures her that he will protect Jess. Ethan is trying to persuade, persuade Jess to, uh, to let him take the risk, but Jess tells him it's her dad and her problem. Tasha has appropriated some ransomware that allows the group to access the sewer tunnels, which connect to the prison. Inside the prison, Jess has followed the plan perfectly, making her way to her father's cell. At the cell, Jess finds an empty room and a guard catches Jess, but here comes Raphael out of the shadows to incapacitate him. Whatever. I don't know. That's the exact word. Hopefully, I don't have to say it anymore today. Outside, the plan is for Raphael to blind the sniper guard while Jess runs uh, to cut a hole in the fence. A lot of, you know, he made this praise and makes this promise to protect Jess, just to protect Jacita the whole time, right? What does he do? He says, Yeah, just run. I've got this mirror. I'm going to blind him. Two people jump. I've got the mirror, though. What I love before that, though, is as they're going out the hole in the wall right he's like i meant to tell you earlier this is as far as i've ever gotten right <laughs> like oh okay yeah, it, it, it's it's not the the best plan here from him 
Uh, let's see. Jess makes it to the fence safely, and the sniper turns his attention to Raphael. Just as it looks like Raphael is about to be killed, the guard is shot, and Jess and Raphael make their escape into Ethan and Natasha's van. Not sure who these people are, Raphael gets introduced to Jess's friends, and Raphael guides them to a pl safe place to hide. Back in Baton Rouge, Oren arrives safely and hopes to hear from Tasha, but is met by Agent Ross. Ross is looking for his friends, and though he tries to lie, Ross knows that Oren was in Mexico. Off of the uh, the little luggage bag, which, tall tale sign, you know what I mean? Very tall tale sign. Uh, Miles concocts a plan with Liam to break into Billy's network to find Jess. Dario thinks he's about to torture or capture Liam which is just a random goon from um, Billy's crew. But Miles sedates Billy's hired goon instead. Stealing Dario's phone, Miles searches through the security network to find Jess for Liam. Back at the FBI, Agent Hendricks is a former Ross that she thinks Jess is in Mexico City. While Hendricks is happy that Ross found Peter Sadeski's killer, Ross is still having doubts about the murder. Jess and Raphael separate from Ethan and Tasha. They plan to meet back in Baton Rouge while walking with Raphael. Jess gets a message showing Liam performing his new song, which is about Jess and is flattered. Liam learns that Billy has been tracking his family for years and believes that Billy was responsible for his dad's death. It all comes back to Billy. Everything is wrapped up in Billy. In Mexico, Billy and Casey learn that Dario has opened the Sadusky file, calling her thug. Billy is surprised to hear a Liam answer. They argue, which leaves Miles and Liam only a few minutes to get away. Sadly, Miles is killed, which leaves Liam all alone. Wandering the desert, Raphael and Jess are looking for a specific tree where he had an important book earlier in life. Jess recognizes the tree from a picture that he had, the hurt she had from her parents in it. The tree is a religious site that is used for weddings, funerals, and a perfect place to hide something. Pulling out his journal, Raphael explains that he met Jess's mom because he went to her for the expertise on the Malenche. Ethan and Tasha make their way across the border safely. They're quickly arrested by the FBI. Oren is shocked to see Liam at his apartment, and while they are happy to see each other, Liam can't believe that Jess is still in Mexico. Showing Raphael the treasure map that was inside the relics, he is shocked to see the map, and with Jess, they learn that the map shows the location of the treasure using the constellations in the sky. With this newfound knowledge, Jess uses a star map app to look for the location based on the clues in the map. The map is pointed location outside of Vicksburg, Mississippi. I like how they did like the little quips because you know he's been in jail for 20 years. Like when he was asking about apps, he was talking about her friends, talking about her, she goes the boyfriend whole thing. I really like those little quips. The thing I did not like here, they were like, oh, you know, it shows the star constellation. It's bright and sunshiny. And they keep going. Yeah, the Big Dipper. I'm like, what are y'all looking at? The sun's out. So, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe the constellations are different in Mexico during the day, but I don't think so. <laughs> the, the man who has been following Jess in Graceland and at Peter Sadusky's funeral reveals himself and tells the two that Salazar is not a person. It's a name given to the leader of a group of treasure hunters who are actively looking for the treasure. He implores them to stop looking for it, but is killed quickly by Casey. Raphael tells Jess to run while he stays behind to distract a Billy. Billy captures Raphael and threatens to... Let me ask you then. Was that guy working um, for somebody? He has to be right. Like, there there has to be something more with him. Because he has been in like four episodes, four or five episodes now. But he gets quickly killed off this episode. So I'm like... I, I I wondered if he was working for the daughters. Mm. Trying because he tells them stop looking for it. Right, because it's not You're worth it. You're gonna lead him right to it. Yeah, but I mean, that's 
he gave a pretty big clue for not really big of a payoff for him to get killed. Like, I don't feel like that's the biggest clue he could have said. Like, I feel like that the whole Salazar group thing could have been a lot earlier. But the, the not anywhere in here in Bill's recap do we talk about the book that Liam finds, that he's had the the Sadusky house the whole time. There's something up with that, too. I don't know who wrote that, who's messing with that, but that's a big that's a big key point there. Which I wonder if it was Ben Gates, because it's He's been working on something for yeah. fifteen years, and it was in Sadusky's house. What if it's you know he was him and Sadusky were working on it, and uh-huh. they were sharing clues back and forth. Uh, Billy captures Raphael and threatens Jess to come out of hiding or else she'll kill him, claiming to know about the location of the treasure because she hid something in the shoe. Jess surrenders and gives over the treasure map. With the map in the hand, Billy leaves with the clues to the fortune and Jess and Raphael as her prisoners. We are ramping up. So the next episode is the penultimate. And I don't feel like we're we're at that moment yet. We didn't get Riley. No. It's IMDB. Strikes again. It is wrong. Is it? Because I said five episodes, and we've only had him in two so far, and there's only two left. So I was trying to remember when he wasn't in this, if there was the first episode we saw him in, if it was just like one scene, and right. maybe we're, we're not counting somewhere. I'm, I'm not sure with that one. but So clearly uh, Billy's going to get her back into the U.S. under the radar from her private jet and everything. Because obviously everyone's going to meet up in Mississippi and blah, 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 blah. We're going to go from there. But I just don't feel like we're there yet when it comes to this show. Like we're, I don't feel like we're there. Yeah, I think we're, it feels like we're three or four episodes away. Yeah. I, would, I would say, I would say three at the minimum. But yeah, I don't know. I think her dad will probably die. No, I don't think they'll kill her dad off this season. Just to keep that relationship around. Because, you know, she never had a relationship with her dad. Her mom just died, so he's going to try and make up for that. But, I mean, in theory, he would have to go back to the United States. I mean, back to Mexico, because he is an escaped prisoner. But, you know, what do I know? Yeah. (laughs) But, technically, they tried and convicted him under the name Salazar, Mm. which is not his name. Right. So, it's a good point. But next week, we have episode nine. So we got two more weeks of this show. And then we'll just have The Last of Us until... Which I guess The Last of Us will end and put us right up where Superman and Lois comes out. Which I'm really excited about this season. One, for the, the to see this casting change for Jonathan Kent. But two, for our number one notable news here that we'll talk about after The Last of Us. We also don't have um, return dates for Doom Patrol. Mm-mm. And Titans. Plus, I can't remember when we get our first Disney Plus Marvel show back. I don't. We have it. There's no confirmations at all. Like I don't even think there's anything planned out yet. I think they they gave a like a vague. Plus, probably spring. Spring. Yeah. Kind of. I um, I wonder Super Bowl will get that announcement. Probably. I mean Loki season two. Guaranteed. Because they should be done with that now. Because they were doing that in October? September, maybe? Hmm. But something that is already done, that cannot, not so much done yet. 
little slight spoiler there. I'm going to TVLand.com with Kimberly Roots for The Last of Us Episode 2 titled Shroom the Bell Tolls. This week's episode starts in Jakarta, Indonesia on September 24th, 2003, two days before everything went sideways in the United States as we witnessed in the premiere. A mycology professor or someone who studies fungi is brought to a lab to examine a specimen. She identifies it as Ophiocordyceps, but it scoffs when told it was taken from a human specimen because a fungi is not supposed to be able to survive in people. She dons a hazmat suit and goes to see the dead woman for whom the specimen was collected. The corpse has a bullet hole in the head and a human bite on its leg. When the professor slices into the wound, spongy material starts to extrude from it. What's worse, in the cadaver's mouth, there are thready, tentacle-type structures that move of their own accord. I was creeped out and disgusted during this. Less so than the uh, scene we get later with Tess. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. That, that was... <laughs> Which I'm really going to talk about that here a little bit. <laughs> um, the professor is horrified. The mystifying was she learns that the bite happened 30 hours before at a flour and grain factory in the city. The bitten woman suddenly turned violent and bit three of her co-workers. All of them had to be killed. The original biter is on the loose and 14 people are still missing. The military asked the professor for help making a vaccine or medicine to treat the infected. She's very grave as she informs them that there's nothing they can do but a bomb. Bomb the city and everyone in it. She starts crying and then asks for someone to drive her home so she can be with her family. This scene, like all of these opening scenes so far, are like chef's kiss perfect. Like to set the tone for the whole episode. This was very, very somber and let you know like, no, this, it really sets up Boston. Because you know, big bomb went off, but it, it shows like, oh no, no, there, there really is no cure for this disease and this infection, and the only way is to kill them. So yet, yet. In Boston, as Joel, Tess, and Ellie rest a bit, Joel gives the teen the stink eye. He's convinced she's going to wind up full-blown infected sooner or later. Tess talks him out of returning her to the QZ, where they'll just scan and kill her, but she also demands to know what Ellie was doing with Marlene and why she is so important. Reluctantly, Ellie tells them that she's bound for a Firefly base count somewhere out west where doctors are working on a cure. Joel thinks this is a load of Huey, but Tess says it doesn't matter. If they get her where she's headed, we get what we want. He grumpily agrees. Ellie starts twitching, pretending to be infected before Tess shuts down her shenanigans. Uh, Kim goes on to say, I really like this kid. Very, very funny little scene. It was also in the trailer where she does a little twitching. And it really starts setting up uh, Joel and Ellie's relationship. Yeah. The trio picks its way through the ruins of Boston, which was bombed in an attempt to stem the outbreak. Apparently it was more effective there than in many other big cities. As they climb over cars and such, Ellie tells her traveling companions how old she is, which is 14, and how she got bit. She snuck into a boarded-up mall in the QZ, and it happened there. She also mentions that she is an orphan. We get a lot of uh, good backstory to Ellie during this. Um, Of course, the video game players, they're talking about the DLC for The Last of Us, of where she got bit, which we are going to see during this season. And I'm really excited to see that because there are some crazy things that happens. I don't think people are ready for all this. And I'm really excited because there's a lot of people watching this show, which again, we're going to talk about in the news here in a minute. But this show is, is just phenomenal. Like, it's something different. 
She, oh, she's also super chatty. She can't get over how how different the world is outside the QZ, and how it isn't immediately dangerous as she has heard. She says, so there aren't super infected that explode fungus spores on you, or ones with split open heads that see in the dark like bats. It should be noted the adults exchange a look on that last one, which of course are talking about the clickers, uh, which we'll get to here very shortly. Their quest takes them inside a flooded hotel where they climb to a high floor in order to get to the lay of the land. The bad news, there are a lot of infected roaming the city, way more than the last time Joel and Tess passed through. We learn that the infected are connected to the fungus, and they also and the fungus will also grow underground and connecting everything. Therefore, if you step on a patch of cordyceps in one place, you can wake a throng of infected miles away. Horrifying. This is obviously something different from the game. I like this. I like that this new edition. Because uh, in the game, you have the big spores, you have to wear gas mask on, and that's how things get notified, things like that. But this right. is more of like a horde and a hive mentality, and... I think it works for the better for the show. They touched on that change after the episode too, mm-hmm. um, which I did watch this little, week, Chris. I'm watching every week again, so <laughs> little behind the scenes thing that they do, and the fact that I oh, will talk about it in a second too. So the only path that might well let's see. So the only path that might work is through the Bostonian Museum, a building that has been completely overtaken by the fungus. But Joel determines that the organic matter growing out of every window and crack is dry, which could mean that all the infected inside are dead. So they go inside, guns and flashlight drawn, with Tess and Joel telling Ellie to keep quiet. The advice proves moot when the building starts collapsing around them, which summons a very terrible-looking infected that sounds like a creaky alien baby bird and looks like a mushroom-fied Venus flytrap. This is a stage of infection known as a clicker, a.k.a. the bat-like creatures Ellie referred to earlier, and it is so very strong and so, so fast. Now, what I loved about the behind-the-scenes thing for this was that the, the male and female clickers, the voice actors that did them in the games, are the ones in the show. Love that. And the second yeah. thing is, is that the the people that portrayed the clickers are all actors, but are very, very, very big fans of The Last of Us that studied them meticulously and are able to act like they did in the game. And they did a perfect job. It was so, like, even, again, I know what a lot of this is happening and coming up. And so when they showed the museum, I said, oh, Jamie said what? And I said, ah, you'll see. Because <laughs> I knew this is our first introduction to the clickers. And they did such a good job of even making you feel the, um, the intensity of having to reload your gun. When when you're fighting clickers, like they have the moment where Joel is reloading his revolver and you can see the clicker coming up, and it's just it's got that eerie just intensity that the game has. And I don't mean it's crazy. And I know I said this last week, but to have this f- feel like the game on top of be such a one to one portrayal of it, it's just amazing. And it gives me so much hope for God of War and um, Horizon Forbidden Dawn. We'll see, actually, about that one. Because that's coming to Netflix, so we will see. But You never know with that. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, I'm wary. Uh, the clicker and some of its friends pursue the trio in a super tense and very scary sequence throughout the top floors of the museum. When they're done, Ellie's been bit again on the arm and Tess's ankle is twisted, but it seems like they weathered it well enough. Joel grumbles that maybe Ellie's second bite will be the one that that takes, but Tess admonishes him to accept a little good news for once. She actually snaps at him. She says, no, take some good news for once. And like, 
this is the moment again played the game so what i know what happens but i was like mm, she's getting moody yeah. she's getting a little moody here yeah. um eventually they make it to the state house where the truck outside is empty and there's blood on the steps inside dead bodies everywhere Ellie wonders if Fedra is responsible, but Joel looks at the state of the corpses and surmises that someone got bit. He says the healthy ones fought the sick ones and everyone lost. Joel wants to return to the QZ, but Tess is adamant that they not turn back. She says our luck had to run out sooner or later, and that drops the penny for Ellie. She, she says, frick, she realizes, she's infected. Yep, Tess got bit on the neck during the museum skirmish. Meanwhile, Ellie's nip is already healing. Uh this was a different way that they did this during the um, the games. Is another thing that's changed, which again I this I'm fine with. Uh, Fedra eventually rushes in. Joel and Ellie make it into the intest, make it into the state house first. Then comes the fireflies, and then comes Fedra. Fedra and the fireflies get in a fi- uh, fight, and they all die. And this is how Tess goes out as well. She gets shot and killed by Fedra, trying to protect Ellie and Joel getting away. But this one, we have the zombies come through. Um, Tess instructs Joel to take the girl to see the two men named Bill and Frank. He protests that they won't accept her, but Tess says he'll convince them. I never asked you for anything, she adds desperately. If he can keep Ellie, if he can keep Ellie alive, you said everything right, all the shit we did, she says. As all of this is playing out in really sad fashion right there in the lobby, one of the corpses starts moving and Joel shoots it. Then he notices that some of the connected tendrils that start moving outside of Pac-Man infected reanimates and starts moving towards the state house's front doors. Tess says, Joel, save who you can save. Knocking over gas dancers and spilling grenades onto the floor. Anguish, Joel grabs Ellie and pulls her away, getting out of the building before the horde arrives. The infected quickly advance on Tess, who fumbles with a lighter that just doesn't want to spark. As one infected has put his mouse tenderly mouth on hers, she finally gets the lighter to work. She drops it on the floor where it catches the gas. A huge explosion and flames follow. As Joel turns and walks away, Ellie pauses a moment to watch the building burn. Okay, the little make-out scene was so gross and so disturbing. I cannot stand it. Oh, man. It, it was very gross. I can only assume that she... The, the character's probably thinking, all right, may, maybe this will make it a quicker death. Right. I, it was it was gross. <laughs> yeah, because um, it's it's protruding out of his mouth. Yes, and all sitting there doing yeah. that number. Oh, but it was, <laughs> it was cool though. If you notice, all the infected kept running past her because she's already bitten infected, so it's not really doesn't really matter yeah. to them. Um, the lighter was a lighter from Uncharted. They put a little Easter egg yeah. in there, so I thought that was really cool that they did that. Uh, but some quick news here. Of course, our first one here that I want to talk about. Last of Us has been renewed for a season two as if nobody saw this coming. Did anybody not see this coming? Uh, especially because of the numbers that put up for the first week. And Neil Druckmann did confirm that season two will be The Last of Us Part Two. Which I'm excited because the first bit of that game is very polarizing and I'm curious to see how TV fans take that. But I want to get to the numbers for the last for this episode, which we'll probably do for every episode. Episode two of The Last of Us tallied 5.7 million viewers Sunday night, which was up 22% from the series debut. This marks the largest week two audience growth for an HBO original drama series in the history of the network. Episode one is now up to 18 million viewers. 
So I, I wonder why they, uh, you know, went for a season two. I can't figure that out yet. Um, quick news here because we got some fun things to talk about before we get into everything else, which are our moving or movie everything ever elsewhere all at once. Listen, E E A A E A T. That's all I'm gonna say because I get confused. I want to say different words. It's not there. <laughs> Number one, Michael Cudlitz joins Superman and Lois as Lex Luthor. How many Lex Luthers do we need in the world? But you know what? We'll take another one. And Michael Cudlitz, great actor. Of course, played Abraham in uh, The Walking Dead, which is what I know him from the most. And he's going to be good, a good Lex Luthor. Uh, what's his name? Michael Cryer came out and said, John Cryer came out and said that um, he's happy to pass the mantle on to him and good luck and everything. They had a little thing on Twitter and they went between each other. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. But, you know, again, Arrowverse is dead. So if you need yeah. any more confirmation, hey, let's see a new, a new Lex Luthor in. So the number two thing. Yeah, we've got, yeah, it's. It just it blows my mind, really. I want to pull up these articles. All right, number two, Ricky, Ricky, ugh. Rick and Morty will continue without Justin Roiland. I don't know if you followed much of this stuff. But this is something I do want to point out. We're going to TheVerge.com. This is by Charles Pulliam Moore. According to The Hollywood Reporter, oh, though adults, where? Okay, they got their stuff really messed up. Adult Swim and High on Life developer Squanch Games have parted ways with the Rick and Morty co-creator who is facing two felony charges for domestic violence. Though Adult Swim initially had little to say about recent news reporting that Rick and Morty co-creator Justin Rowland is facing two felony charges for domestic battery and false imprisonment by menace, violence, fraud, or deceit, the channel now says it has cut ties with him. In a statement provided to the Hollywood Reporter, Adult Swim Cartoon Network, Communications Senior Vice President Mary Moore announced that the network has ended its association with Justin uh, Roiland. According to them, plans are currently underway for Roiland's Rick and Morty roles to be recast, and co-creator Dan Harmon will take over responsibilities as the sh- show's sole showrunner, though Roiland will still be credited as a co-creator. He also was... Uh, a similarly short and to-the-point tweet posted two hours later to the page Squanch Games, the game studio Roland co-founded in 2016, announced that he uh, tendered his, rec- his resignation there on January 16th. So, he was also grooming like a, a 14-year-old girl and knew he was talking to a 14-year-old. It was very disgusting and very sickening things. So... Uh, 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 it, that's it. I'm, I'm glad he's separated from everything, though, because if they wanted that to go forward, he had to be gone. But yeah, speaking of things separated that I wish were not separating, which we knew was coming, Titans and Doom Patrol will both end their seasons and shows after season four. I'm going to Deadline.com by Nelly and Dreva. Two of the DC series on HBO Max, Titans and Doom Patrol, will be coming to an end. Both recently wrapped their six-episode season 4A runs on the streamer, and their upcoming second half of the fourth seasons will be the show's final chapters. But it is of note both have been crafted to give the series a proper ending. So they knew it was coming. and yeah. But I'm glad that we can go out on their, um, their own takes. The only thing I hate for Titans is that we're not getting them back in San Francisco at their Titans tower doing their whole thing. Cause we're going to be stuck in Metropolis again for the rest of the season, which is what it is. I kind of hate that, but Doom patrol 
again, kind of hate it as well because it's the first season where actually the Doom Patrol. And it's, yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's it's very unfortunate. So, what does that mean? We have six episodes left for both shows? Yeah, something like that. And, again, we don't know when it's coming back. Um, but we do know it is coming back. James Gunn did comment on it as well. He retweeted and said, um, oh, what did he say? Did they put it in this article at all? I would assume they'll come back together because oh. isn't there a crossover? Well, if, if, if Stargirl, it should be in Stargirl. Uh, let's see. They, along with other DC shows, are coming to an end, including this uh, Flash and Stargirl, which closes the Berlanti Productions tenure at Warner Brothers. Um, well, actually, it was just extended. Uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran. Let's see, here's... I'm trying to see. Okay. Quote, While these will be the final seasons of Titans and Doom Patrol, we are very proud of these series and excited for fans to see their climactic endings, an HBO Max show person said. We are grateful to Berlanti Productions of Warner Brothers Television for making such thrilling, action-packed, heart-filled series. We thank Titan showrunner Greg Walker, executive producers Greg Berlanti, Akiva Goldsman, Sarah Schechter, Jeff Johns, Richard Haddam, and the team at Weed Road Productions. Production, uh, pictures. For Doom Patrol, we celebrate the showrunner Jeremy Carver and executive producer Greg Berlanti, Sarah Schechter, Jeff Johns, Chris Dingus, and Tamara Becker Wilkinson. For four seasons, fans have fallen in love with the Titans of Doom Patrol, investing in their trials and tribulations and their legendary battles, saving the world time and time again. So. Um, trying to see if they had anything like I haven't seen any characters talk like actors talk about this yet. So, which I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But you think they'd want to say something? Yeah. Here's something I want to say. I've got the most oh. viewed original TV shows of 2022, and this is by Nielsen. Uh, it's a website that puts up all the rankings and you can see all your syndications and stuff like that for each week on the website. I'm going to forcedvideo.com for this one. And this is by Masha Berinov because I have the actual picture. This is of note. I want to put on here. There's no HBO Max shows on here. So Game of Thrones, none of that is on, which this is all looks like Netflix and Prime Video is the only two that they've got on here, which is very weird to me. You think you'd put them all, but anyways, this is your top 15 streaming programs. I'm going to go from bottom to top and by minutes viewed. The Rings of Power coming at number 15 from Prime Video with 9.4 billion minutes. The Last Kingdom, hey, on my list, by the way, number 14 on Netflix at 10.4 billion. The Umbrella Academy, Netflix, 10.5 billion. Number 12, Great British Baking Show for 10.6 billion. The Boys, number 11, which I thought that was way too low, uh, 10.6 billion. The Crown on Netflix, 12.7 billion. Love is Blind, at number 8, 13.1. Dahmer, which I only had 10 episodes, came in at 13.4 million. That's number 7. Number 6, Virgin River, 13.6. Number 5, Bridgerton, 14.0. Number 4, Cobra Kai Never Dies, uh, 16.7. Number 3, Chris, Wednesday. At uh, 18.6 billion. Number two, Ozark came in at 31.3. And number one, as you guessed it, Stranger Things with 52.0 billion minutes. Now, Chris, Ozark to Stranger Things. Ozark had 31.3. Stranger Things had 52.0. 
And another big jump, like the same thing with Ozark on Wednesday. Wednesday at 18.6 to Ozark's 31.3. So, wowee. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah. I... Netflix dominated that. And I'm curious because HBO, like I wanted HBO, Hulu, and Apple TV on that. Why all of them weren't on there, I don't know. But then you watch they could get the maybe they could get the data. Right. That that's probably probably a lot stricter with their stuff than Netflix and Prime are. Uh the last one I've got here, Lance Riddick cast as Zeus and Toby Stevens cast as Poseidon in the Percy Jackson's Disney Plus series. Of course, Lance Riddick is my commander in Destiny 2. He's in a lot and a lot, a lot, a lot of things. So good for him. I'm excited to see him as Zeus. And releases this week, I've got absolutely nothing for TV. So. All right. Well, folks, that's episode 100. No. Yeah, yeah, we're just done now. <laughs> uh, before we move on to movies, let's let's do a quick RIP for Annie Worshing. Um, mm-hmm. She, uh, news broke earlier today as we're recording this, that she passed away from cancer. Uh, appeared on a number of shows. She was, by the way, uh, the voice of Tess mm-hmm. in uh, the Last of Us video game. She uh, she recently wrapped a story arc on The Rookie, starring uh, Nathan Fillion, oh. which I watch. Um, she was on Star Trek Picard. Um, she's she's been in a bunch of stuff, so sucks to hear that uh, that she she passed away so mm. yeah cancer 45 yeah takes them it all sucks unfortunately uh, so with our our movie section this week is as the folks that listened last week will know we um we're going to start going through our oscar nominees for best picture yeah Tyler's very excited about this uh, we're not going to watch, so we'll probably rewatch Elvis each, you mm-hmm. know, each of us will probably rewatch it, but we're not going to necessarily go over it again on the show. Cause we've, we talked quite a bit about it when it first came out. So Tyler can probably link if you're watching on YouTube to the episode that yeah. we talked, uh, where we. We really reviewed Elvis. That was during the. That was August, uh-huh. wasn't it? It was hot outside when we watched that. No, that was like June or July. Oh, yeah, was, I just know it was hot. <laughs> uh, speaking of Elvis, I watched Blue Hawaii this week. Ooh. Um, I saw it was released on physical media. Did not realize until I was about to order it that it they put this out on 4K. Really? Yeah. And it it actually it looks pretty good. There's a couple of shots that don't look as as good because back then they used a lot of stock footage for certain certain shots. You know, um, like there's a scene of some dolphins jumping in the water that was stock footage, so it stays kind of grainy. <laughs> um, but the film itself, what they filmed for the uh, for the movie, it looks fantastic in 4K. Hmm. Hawaii before a lot of tourists got over there and trashed it. Uh, did you watch? <clears throat> no, else? I was wanting to watch Ant Man this week, but I think I'm going to watch it tomorrow morning. 
getting up, getting ready for our uh, the third yep. Ant Man. What have we got? Um, two weeks. What? A little over two weeks. Yeah. Be. Uh, hmm. yeah, two weeks from this Thursday. I keep feeling it's it's next week when it's not. I don't know why. Like our February is busy and packed jam, which I'm okay with, but it makes me get excited and thinks things are sooner than they appear. Yeah. So. All right. So our movie this week was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um. I'm gonna pull the plot for this off of Wikipedia. <laughs> It's insane, so try and follow along. I'll try to follow <laughs> along as well. I'm going to be reading it, and I probably won't know what I'm talking about. And this is after I've seen it. So, <clears throat> Evelyn Quine runs a laundromat with her husband, Wayman, Wayman Wang. They're not helping you either with that one. No, they're really not. I feel like Elmer Fudd. Yeah. Wesley Wabbit. Some two decades after they eloped to the United States and had a daughter named Joy, the laundromat's being audited by the IRS. Meanwhile, Waymond is trying to serve Evelyn divorce papers. Evelyn's demanding father, Gong Gong, is visiting her Lunar New Year party, for her Lunar New Year party, and Joy wants her mother to accept her non-Chinese girlfriend, Becky, about whom Evelyn lies to Gong Gong. At a fractious meeting with IRS inspector Deidre Boberty, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Killed it. Wayman's, yeah, Wayman's body is taken over by Alpha Wayman, a version of Wayman from the Alphaverse. <laughs> I can't with I can't with having to say Wayman this much. I feel like I got a speech impediment. <laughs> Alpha Wayman explains to Evelyn that many that many parallel universes exist because every life choice creates a new alternate universe. The Alphaverse, led by the late Alpha Evelyn, developed verse jumping technology which enables people to access the skills, memories, and bodies of their parallel universe selves by performing bizarre actions that are statistically unlikely. The multiverse is now threatened by Jobu Tupaki, the Alphaverse version of Joy, whose mind was splintered after Alpha Evelyn pushed her to extensively verse jump. Jobu now experiences all universes at once and can verse jump and manipulate matter at will. She has created a black hole like everything bagel. Hilarious. The yeah. Evelyn's given verse jumping technology to fight Jobu's verse jumping minions who are now converging on the IRS, IRS building. She discovers other universes where she made different choices and flourished, such as becoming a kung fu master movie star while also learning of Wayman's plans for divorce. Alpha Wayman believes Evelyn, as the greatest failure of all Evelyns in the multiverse, has the untapped potential to defeat Jobu. Alpha Gong Gong, controlling Evelyn's Gong Gong, instructs her to kill Joy to stop Jobu from entering her universe again through Joy. But Evelyn instead decides to face Jobu by gaining powers through repeated verse jumping. While Evelyn is chased by Alpha Gong Gong soldiers, Jobu locates and kills Alpha Wayman in the Alphaverse. As Jobu confronts Evelyn in her universe, Evelyn's mind splinters and she collapses lifeless. 
Evelyn's detached consciousness begins to verse jump with Jobu's across bizarre and diverse universes. Rather than fight, Jobu explains she's been searching for an Evelyn who can come to believe, as she does, that nothing matters. She brings Evelyn to the Everything Bagel, explaining she hopes it can allow herself to finally die. Upon peering into the bagel, Evelyn is persuaded and begins to act nihilistically in the other universes, emotionally hurting those around her. Evelyn's about to enter the bagel with Jobu and end all her multiverse lives, but pauses to listen to Wayman's pleas for everybody to stop fighting and be kind and seek understanding in the midst of confusion. Evelyn has an epiphany and follows his advice by using her multiverse powers to find what's hurting those around her and bring them happiness. In doing so, she repairs her damage in the other universes and neutralizes Alpha Gong Gong and Jobu's fighters. In her home universe... Evelyn tells Gong Gong of Joy and Becky's relationship, talks with Deidre after Wayman convinces her to let Wayman and Evelyn redo their taxes, and reconciles with Wayman. Jobu tries to end her life by entering the bagel, while simultaneously as Joy in Evelyn's universe begs Evelyn to let her go. Evelyn says, even if she could be anywhere else, even when nothing makes sense, she would always want to be with Joy. Evelyn and the others save Jobu from the bagel, and Evelyn and Joy embrace as the universes are restored. Sometime later, with the family's relationships improved, Evelyn and her family return to the IRS building to refile their taxes. As Deidre talks, Evelyn's attention is momentarily drawn to her alternate selves and the multiverse before she grounds herself back in her home universe. This movie was confusing as shit. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. It was... I mean, I knew it was a multiverse story, figured there'd be a lot of jumping around but it was almost they were intercutting to different universes every few seconds so mm -hmm. you would get a glimpse of what was happening here and then how that was affecting what was going on how that was affecting this and it's just like calm down right i i understand there's other universes out there you don't need to show me every one we can focus on two or three and we can do it at a slower pace. I feel like this was... They they put a lot of action into it. Which is great. But this was one of those movies that could have used... A couple of scenes in the middle where they just... They dial it back. They slow everything down. And we get some things explained to us. Right. And they didn't do that. They just kept hitting us with this stuff. There's a, There's a part in the movie... Where the movie star version of Evelyn, we're at a film that she's watching. She's at one of her film premieres. But they cut to it, and the credits start. Did you think the and show was a, over? For a second, I was like, what, the movie's over already? I was like, what a cliffhanger, and I pulled it up. I was like, oh, we still have 40 minutes left. <laughs> oh. So... I, I really just felt like I can see why it got Best Picture nominated. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of those um, shots were very beautiful. Yeah, they really were. And they made a made a point of really diversifying the looks of the characters mm -hmm. in the various worlds. Especially with Joy. Yeah, but what I just read makes it sound a lot easier to follow. Mm -hmm. but wasn't that easy just, 
<laughs> sitting down and watching it. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is great in this, by the way, um, as the IRS agent, Deidre. I felt um, everybody brought it. Joy, there were a couple of scenes really of stories did. I didn't like, but I felt like everybody did a great job. Of course, if you've watched a lot of films in the past 40 plus years, you know, films and TV, you know who James Hong is. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that actor. Balls of Fury is, yeah. uh, of course, his title or role. Yeah, um, and of course, um, Wayman is played by Q. Uh, was it Kiwi Kwan? Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce his name? Try to see. Kiwi Kwan. I think so. Um, he was from. He was in two huge movies for me growing up. He was in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom as Short Round, and then he was. Uh, he was also in Goonies. So, you you know, you're in two of those movies in the 80s. Everybody knows who you are. Right. Um, um, Stephanie Zhu was Joy, and then Michelle Yao was Evelyn. She did um, a great job. She did. And, and that's the thing. Great performances. Um, Even as a just, rock. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was an interesting universe. Yeah. I also love the universe where they had hot dogs. And I, every time they showed it, and they showed it often, I laughed yeah. hard. Like when they started doing the using the toes as for the piano, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, actually that makes a lot of sense. And they're writing with their toes and everything. I was like, okay, this makes sense now. But then they did this whole like there were a lot of scenes where they jumped, but a lot, and they were jumping a yeah. lot. And they were doing the makeout scene with uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and her. It just started putting the hot dog fingers in their mouths. I was like, okay, all right, you're losing me. You're losing me. You're losing me. And then they they'd cut to something else. Yeah. Um, I, I like this film. It was it was different. Um, I'm right there with you. And I said right at the beginning, before we started recording, I was talking to my wife about it. And she was like, it's, you know, loved a lot of things, hated a lot of parts. Uh, some parts are good, some parts are bad. Uh, it's kind of all over the place, which I completely agree. Um, I think I gave it I gave it three stars just now on Letterboxd. Uh, but three and a half. Yeah, those moments when, well, like those emotional beats, especially right there at the end, were so good. Like, and they they just hit real good when you wouldn't really expect it because they're talking about a bagel and you've got. Uh, you know, hot dog fingers and everything, but um, the way that they they did some of it, like they were, uh, Evelyn just says, you know, I'm going to let you go because that's what Joy wants. And so she falls into the bagel, the rock falls off the cliff, uh, she gets in her car to leave, and it's just, it, there was a bunch of different stories across the multiverses, like interconnecting in, and that's where it was losing me. I couldn't ever find what was the real universe and what you know what was our prime one, I guess, but 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 it was it was okay. Um, as it sits right now, uh, of course, after only watching three of the list of our nominees, which we'll go through in a minute for Oscars, um, Elvis is still my number one for my pick. But everywhere all at once is, yeah. I can see why people love this movie. I really can. Just I'm curious to see what the rest of these movies are like because it was very well shot. And the story was good. It's just 
all over the place. Some really cool fight scenes and cinematography was great, but it was uh, it was different. He, he beats people up with a fanny pack. That and, was really uh, well, like it put he scoops into the the fish tank, puts more rocks in it, and beats people up with it. It was really cool. <laughs> that that scene too, where um, it's when she starts to get she starts to get cruel, and she she looks at Wayman. And just flat out says to him, my life could have been so much better without you. Oh, it's so brutal. And he's just, he's just like, uh. yeah, I mean, He has no idea what's going on. This lady, your wife you're trying to divorce just came in, said, you know, there's multiverses and there's other people. There's alpha people and Gong Gong sitting there and, sleeping behind the desk. And <laughs> and, and he's not trying to divorce, divorce her because he doesn't love her anymore. Right. He's trying to. He even tells her, you know, this, another couple that they know, it got them talking and they were able to fix their marriage. Right. So that's, he's, that's the whole point of it. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Wow. But yeah, I gave it a, th- you gave it a three, I gave it a three and a half and I, I just, I wanted it to be higher. Mm-hmm. I, I just. This was overhyped for me. Well, the amount of people talked about it and how much they loved it, I was like, oh, this would be really, really, really good. Which, I mean, it, the emotional beats at the end were great, but getting there was a little different for me. Yeah. Um, next week, we're going to review All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, now, of course, this is the 2022 yeah. film. On Netflix. Uh, it, it was also a 1930 film. Um which did win the Academy Award for Best Picture that year. So they're trying. I don't know if that's ever. I don't know if that's ever happened. Where the same movie. You know, one best maybe maybe a Star Is Born did it. Because mm. there's been three popular versions of that. I don't know. Anyway, that's our film for next week. Um. Now the Oscar nominations. Here you can you can skip some of them, or if you want to do all of them, whichever ones. But there are a lot of well, a lot of categories we'll here. Do our, yeah, we'll we'll do our biggies. So actor in the leading role, um, and I'll probably butcher some names of films and some names of actors. Mm. Austin Butler for Elvis. Colin Farrell for the Banshees. Of Sharon. Brendan Fraser for The Whale. I hope he wins. Paul Meskel for After Sun. And Bill Nye for Living. And then actor in a supporting role, we have Brendan Gleeson, The Banshees of Sharon. Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. Uh, Barry, I can never say his last name. Is it Keegan? Keegan, maybe? Uh, for the Banshees of Inisherin. And Kiwi Kwan. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. He did well in this movie, so... Mm-hmm. Act- actress in the leading role, Kate Blanchett. For Ter. I think is how you say that, with the little... With the little accent mark. Anna de Armas and Blonde, which I still need to watch. Um, 
Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie. Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. Well, she always gets nominated for so much. Um, and Michelle Yao for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I mean, I've only seen one of those performances, so that's who I would lean toward. Right. <laughs> Actress in a supporting role, Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I we hope she wins. Stop, yep. Just stop reading right there. <laughs> uh, Hong Chow for The Whale. Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And Stephanie Zhu. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, I will run through these, the animated features, because mm-hmm. I've, seen, I've seen one of them. And that's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is really good. Uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which... Which is doing remember, really well. I remember seeing the, the first one, so I, I may watch that one just just because. Right. The Sea, the sea Beast and Turning Red. Um, Turning Red's a good one. Let's go to directing. <clears throat> you got The Banshees of Sharon with Martin McDonough. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg, Ter, Todd Field, and Triangle of Sadness, Ruben Ostlin. Um, and then, let's see, we should be further down here. Oh, makeup. You want makeup? Yeah. Makeup and hairstyling. Tyler's Hobbies. <laughs> uh, well, they're just all, they're just because of one movie or two movies. <laughs> all quiet on the Western Front. Heike Merker and Linda Eisenhammerova. Oh, that was beautiful. Now you nailed yeah. that one. The Batman for Naomi Don, Mike Marino, and Mike Fontaine. Which they should win strictly because of uh, Penguin. Yeah. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Camille Friend, and Joel Harlow. Elvis, Mark Coulier, Jason Baird, and Aldo Signoretti. And The Whale, Adrian Moreau, Judy Chen, and Anne-Marie Bradley. I could see The Whale getting mm-hmm. it because of the transformation he had to go through. Yeah. Uh, this, I guess this one will be the last one. I mean, there's writing on down the board and stuff, but Best Pictures, the, the Big Daddy. Big Daddy's not up for Best Picture. No, although just... it was a good Adam Sandler movie. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar The Way of Water. The Banshees of Sharon, Elvis. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The Fablemans. Terror. And again, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right now. <laughs> Sounds Thomas good to me. Tar, tar or Terror. Top Gun Maverick. Triangle of Sadness. And women talking. So, ah, so from what we've seen, which I've seen three of these: Top Gun, Maverick, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and Elvis. I think Elvis, so far, that's my favorite. I'm curious to see as we go through these weeks if that changes. Right. Um, all Quiet on the Western Front. I've heard a lot of good things. Banshees of Inisherin. I've heard a lot of good things. I think that's it 
Fablemans I'm, I'm excited to see because of stupid Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Right. So we should we should say that we may not get to watch Avatar because yeah. we're not we're going to the theater. Well, I'm going to the theater once in the next few weeks, and it's to see Ant Man. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's going to make it to streaming before we record our final episode before the Oscars. So. Yeah, that's what. Listen, when does Avatar? to come to disney plus february so oh it will oh wait uh avatar 2 is not coming to disney plus in february i don't know what that website is uh they're saying march 2023 is likely the release window disney movies usually have a 45 to 70 day window in theaters until it hits disney plus so the last the fifth would be the last because the 12th is a Sunday that's usually Sunday's usually when they do the, the ceremony yeah so the 5th would be the last episode we would record ahead of the ceremony so probably not but we'll, we'll have a good we'll have a good idea of the nominees we'll be flying blind on one of them right we'll have a good so. we'll have a good little yeah, we'll have a good little idea. So. Yeah. Mm. But no notable releases this week. Um, yeah, I'm the same with games. I mean, what you been playing? Enough. Anything? Anything good? <laughs> Man, I had so many nights. I came in and I stayed up for maybe an hour or two, and then I just went to bed. Yeah, it's I'm in that rut right now where nothing's really appeasing me i i got nba 2k 23 because i got like on a hell of a deal and just because i've been all about basketball lately so i've got my team on there chris just letting you know i understand the whole the whole uh i I gotta get that next pack you know gotta gotta open up that next pack for people um i'm very very top level on that I, i i really haven't been playing anything notable at all this week so at least i can talk about have you been uh, have you been just doing my team, or are you going through doing the? Cause don't they have like the Jordan the career? career? Or, yeah, that's because yeah. I, I just got it this morning when I saw the deal, so I, I downloaded it and I've been watching the movie and doing other things. I really hadn't had time to do much anything else. Hopefully this week I will be able to, but like I haven't touched it. I, mean, I touched it, played one game on my team, which was a clutch moment where you play five on five for one period and whoever wins wins and you get points for that and like i don't even know how to play it really i just would like the two buttons to pass and to shoot so i don't know what else you need <laughs> so the deal you got is it on xbox ps5 xbox series i okay. got their GameStop, so just a digital code because okay. everywhere else like xbox it's still full price it's 70 dollars uh, Amazon, I think you could get it for like forty or something like that. I got it from uh, X. I got it from GameStop for thirty five bucks. They're halfway through their season. Yeah. Why is the game still full price? Yeah, that makes no sense to me. So, like with FIFA two K, uh, FIFA twenty three, it's like twenty dollars right now. I'm like, so 
It's same thing I think that with game, uh, Madden. It's like half off. That too. game, FIFA Worldwide, is more popular than any other yeah sports game. It's still at the top so. of the list, like on the Xbox Store. So I don't know. Uh, I'm really excited for Harry Potter in two weeks. That I'm that's gonna take over my life on the sixth. Is when that comes out. Um, and then two weeks later, Destiny's expansion launches, which I'm really not that high on for some reason. I don't know if it's because they haven't released a bunch of like uh, videos and things for it, but like I'm not overly excited like I was for this uh, the Witch Queen in 2022. But we'll see. It's like a cyberpunky vibe, which I'm excited about. But I don't know. There's not really Destiny hasn't really grabbed my attention. But I always get this way towards a new expansion, like towards the end of the expansion. So, uh, new releases this week: Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition comes to the Xbox Series and Xbox on January 31st. Power Washer Simulator finally makes its way to the Playstations and the Switch. Power Wash- Power Washer Simulator for Tomb Raider Special Pack DLC for everything January 31st as well, and then SpongeBob SquarePants the Cosmic Shake for everything. January 31st. But ladies and gentlemen, that has been your 100th episode of the Nerdwide podcast. Don't forget to share this on all your social media platforms, all your friends, your family, to everybody that you know. More people that come in and view this, the more that we can improve the show, more eyes we get, you know, the better we can be for you guys as well. Um, social media, you can follow the Nerdwide account on Twitter at nerd underscore wide. You can follow me personally at Ty underscore Haynes. You can follow Chris at MavTN7. Facebook.com, search in Nerdwide Podcast, Nerdwide.com, Nerdwide. We're always the first thing that pops up in that search bar. Follow us on either one of those. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube or podcasting service, those will be the first way you know when a podcast episode goes live. But you don't have to worry about that because you are subscribed. As always, this has been this week's episode of the Nerdwide Podcast, and we cannot wait to go with you on our next Oscar nomination run for a dark forgotten movie. Oh. All, the yep, I can't wait next week. I'm excited about that one. It's on Netflix. Um, excited about the Last of Us episode tonight because it's supposed to be like the most like highest rated episode for the season. And I love Bill and Frank, so it's gonna be really good. But ladies and gentlemen, that has been your 100th episode of the Nerdwide Podcast, and we'll see you next week for episode 101. I'll talk to you then. Later, guys.